Good morning, everyone. This message, we're kind of wrapping up our series um, on the Lord teaching us how to pray. And everything is kind of uh, kind of culminating, looking forward to, like Gary mentioned, Palm, today is Palm Sunday. Um, looking forward to the reason and why God came to this earth and that he had to suffer and die. And definitely what seems like a defeat, we're going to go through a kind of a roller coaster. You'll see roller coaster of images and from what you see on TV, Palm Sunday, Jesus ushering in to Jerusalem, the hope of a, a new king and savior and Messiah only to be arrested, beaten, and crucified on Good Friday. I don't know if there's anything good about it, um, but it looks forward to Easter. So today's message is we've been talking about uh, uh, prayer and fasting, and we've discussed when we fast, we kind of open ourselves up to spiritual forces, good and evil, kind of battling in our minds. And this uh, passage out of Ephesians came to mind, put on the full armor of God. So we are in a battle, a war, and what is it for? It's for our hearts and minds and our very lives and our souls. Uh, some of you know that I'm a self-defense teacher, and um, some of the uh, participants that come to my classes, I talk about you know, distance management, um, carrying an equalizer with you somehow, you know, we're not in a we're not in a gun carrying, <laughs> you know, Western the wild wild west of, of anybody that should be carrying guns. You think it'd be California, right? <laughs> the wild wild west, but Midwest maybe Midwest. But uh, I'm a big fan of pepper spray, a nice equalizer, especially as I'm getting into my older years. You know, do I really want to defend myself against a person that's six two, two hundred fifty, three hundred pounds? Uh, no, Psst. <laughs> pepper spray, I'll do the trick. Bring the biggest Goliath to their knees, weeping. So situational awareness, right? Um, in some of my classes, uh, some of the gals, the class ends after dark and they have to walk back to their car. And then they thought, were thinking, wow, I should really park closer, huh, to where we are. Based on what you said, I started carrying pepper spray with me. That's great. What about taking the step of asking for a ride to your car? You know, simple things like that. Situational awareness. But same thing here. We need to think about being on the defense. As if our life depended on it. And as your pastor, I am concerned for your safety. I am concerned that we live. That we live. That we win. Versus living in defeat. Here's a very famous quote by Sun Tzu in the book, The Art of War, used and quoted by nation, states, military people, even the world of competitive business. 
says, know thy enemy and know yourself. In a hundred battles, you will never be defeated. Know your enemy. Study your enemy. Study yourself. If you do this, you will never be defeated in a hundred battles. So that's why we took some time in 30 days of prayer and fasting to seek the mind of God, study ourselves, our habits, our triggers, right? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we run toward our diversions to fill up, to meet our hurts, habits, and hangups? In order to know victory, to have victory, we must know the enemy. We must study the enemy and ourselves, the lies of the enemy, and our weaknesses and triggers. Fasting uh, seemed to expose them. So as well, you need to know who's on your team. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Um, When my kids were young, we would travel up and down California for her gymnastics meets, and I just, I just loathed, hated the idea of driving a six-hour drive to California, uh, Southern California. Um, I ended up with neck pain, back pain, bored out of my mind for those, those uh, trips. Uh, so I started uh, paying a little money for the Audible program, where you can get actually books, audio books on tape. So. No matter how boring the drive was, no matter how boring waiting in line at Disneyland was, no matter how boring the uh, sports meets were, my mind and heart could go somewhere else and just be absorbed with uh, some terrific history. One of the first books I uh, downloaded was 1776, and it told the travails of General George Washington in our in American struggle for independence, the ups and downs of of that war. And in it, they describe Washington's uh, taking this ragtag group of unprofessional soldiers and going against the largest modern war machine that was in existence that day, the Redcoats of England, very much like going against, you know, the... uh, Uh, Rome, you know, the Roman Empire. This is what we were faced with. So we need to know who's on our team. That's what Washington often did, strategizing, being the underdog, understanding uh, what was going on, and no doubt um, took some lessons from the art of war. So here, Scripture likens our battle, our moral battle, for victory and defeat, to a war, a battle. It says in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You've got to be smart. The devil is described in Genesis as what? The most crafty of all the animals. The most crafty. So we have to be on the defensive. We have to be sharp goes on to say, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities and powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
authorities, powers of this dark world. So I was thinking about this. <clears throat> you know, we don't, other than Dungeons and Dragons, <clears throat> fantastical evil villains of uh, Walt Disney. That's where I, I was in Orlando. Uh, uh, I saw a phantasmic show, which was amazing. Thought it was going to be the same, but they actually redid it. And they, and they did this really sharp medley. <clears throat> you know, there's Mickey and his fantasy. And then remember, there's like, uh, you know, the March of the Heffalumps. And the, that, that was an old phantasmic. But now they do a really sharp uh, compilation of every villain that was ever uh, on the silver screen. Um, but we don't often think about dark powers and evil forces, do we? So I'm going to attempt to put some uh, flesh to it. I was thinking of external forces out there in this world, in this dark world. The, the world, Earth now, is described as Satan's realm now. But, the, but God's kingdom, as we're going from Palm Sunday to Good Friday to Easter, Jesus, God, conquers sin and death. But our realm, we still live in. Until we uh, meet God face to face, we still live <clears throat> for a number of years in this realm where God is uh, perfecting us, uh, where we have to have battles for victory and defeat, but knowing who's on our team. So knowing one's enemy, I'm going to put some words to this external forces I was thinking. <clears throat> You know, I don't, you know, in, in other countries, they talk about uh, praying against the devil and um, spiritual forces and demons and things like that. You know, in our modern America, postmodern society, we, we don't use those terms as much. But I believe definitely external forces, there are evil forces in this world, aren't they? Aren't there? Oppression. Discrimination, modern cancel culture, human trafficking, murder. Remember there was a time that there was just like, there were, there were the number of murders in 2022 was like exceeding um, just statistics that were just, oh, mass shootings, that's what, that's what it was. Mass shootings were just occurring over and over again last year. Road rage, bullying, generational sin. Scripture says, for our struggle is against, not against flesh and blood, but of spiritual forces. One of the most uh, impactful things I remember from my uh, seminary classes, graduate classes, uh, regarding counseling, it was when you're interfacing with somebody, where it says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual uh, forces. So if you're in conflict with a person, uh, an actual person, remember that there are spiritual forces going on, not demons, I don't know, not demons swirling around the room when you're in conflict. But here in counseling terms, psychological terms, they always talk about when you're in conflict with someone, remember, there's always four people in the room. The per you, 
the person you're in conflict with, the person that this person represents to you, and the person I represent to the person. That's called transference. They may be reacting to you for no reason, but you remind them of their mother, their father, (laughs) their uncle, uh, a male, a female, some uh, trigger. So there's always four people in the room when you're having conflict. Remember, there are forces behind the scene. Then more practically, internally, is inside ourselves. We know there's a battle psychologically, right? Spiritually, in our minds and hearts of self-doubt, self-hate, taken to an extreme, 5150, eminent harm to oneself or others. To more practical things like procrastination, that we can say these are our demons. Depression, or on the opposite side of self-grandeur, a false sense of self that the Bible talks about stubbornness, being stiff-necked, or, and selfishness. So that puts some words, some practicality to these spiritual forces that are behind the scenes, these dark powers that are described as evil, as evil forces in heavenly realms. Now, is the devil a real being? Now, right now, you're struggling like I am or was, like, I don't know if I really believe in a devil, right? <laughs> I'd say 80% of, or more of you are like, oh, this is an interesting talk. <laughs> you know, do you really believe in the devil, you know? I personally have never met the guy or thing, it, monster, whatever it is. I've never personally met the devil, but I do believe, I do believe in his many agents and methods and tricks and schemes. Just like in Genesis 3, this crafty snake asks the question, right? Putting doubt in our mind, did God really say not to do this? Did God really say not to go beyond that boundary that God set? I definitely do believe in the evil forces of this world. If we only open our eyes, right, to, gosh, just drive down downtown Sacramento and look at all the mental illness going on. We are broken people. So when it comes to, oh, this uh, passage in Ephesians continues on. So I'm going to ask the question, do you want to live victoriously or not? Think about these things. Think about our struggle. Not only think about God's love, God's graciousness, and all these things, but the battle that God went through to conquer sin and evil and death. In all these symbols from today till next Sunday, think about our enemy. Know thy enemy. So, Scripture says, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. I don't look forward to that. <laughs> it's kind of a hard message to preach to you. So, that when the day of evil comes, we will be able to stand our ground. 
Now, that day of evil definitely is going to look different for every person, every challenge, right? Then the scripture says, after you have done everything, you will stand. And I'm just going to parse this a little bit. I underlined, I highlighted, I italicized, after you have done everything. After you have done everything. This is where the battle lies, all right? Yes, there are forces out there, there are battles in this world that we pray that God's kingdom would come and wipe out evil regimes, evil forces. But after you have done everything, you and I, so this is talking about you and I are in the fight. You and I are empowered in the fight. That we would stand our ground. Therefore, the Apostle Paul says, put on the full armor of God. So what does victory look like? We'll get to the armor of God at the end. What does victory look like? The opposite of these evil agents. I just kind of... compared and contrasted there instead of voices of doubt assurance self-hate self-respect procrastination determination depression motivation delusions of self-grandeur sober judgment being stiff-necked stubborn learning to be flexible and accommodating and patient instead of being selfish our lives will be characterized in victory as being gracious with those around us, with our time, with our words, with our presence. So some of our battles are ours, like I just said, like Ephesians just mentioned, when we have done everything, the battle is internal, And some of the battles are of God. (laughs) Some of the battles are God's battles. Some of the battles are beyond our control. And it's interesting, I'm going to share with you the serenity prayer. Does anybody raise your hand if you've heard or know the serenity prayer? Yes. Made popular by who? Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Uh, If you've ever been to a 12-step meeting, uh, that's often in their little book of material they might give you, or they might have a poster on the wall. But it's actually written uh, by Reinhold Niebuhr. Reinhold Niebuhr. And so what we uh, see on posters kind of goes like this. God grant me the serenity, the peace, to know the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Isn't that good? Very elegant, just like the, the, the art of war quote at the beginning. <laughs> know thy enemy, know thyself. And in a hundred battles you will never be defeated. God grant me the serenity for the things I cannot change. Okay? We were made in the image of God, a little lower than angels. We like to rule over the earth and control things. 
God, grant me the serenity for the things I cannot change. Courage for the things that I can, okay, that God equips us with, and the wisdom to know the difference. So what, what, what an elegant, elegant, uh, profound prayer. For instance, uh, as you know, I was, went to Orlando for a conference. I had a presentation to do. It's like a, a three-hour flight to, I don't know, Den Dallas, and then another hour and a half. I had an hour connecting flight in Dallas. And if you know, it boards 30 minutes before the flight. So I had 30 minutes before boarding. As soon as my trip starts, I was stressed about the whole thing, of course, preparing, I got to present stuff, all these little details. And my flight is delayed in Sacramento by 30 minutes. <laughs> At the very outset of my trip. My shoulders are going up to my ears. I'm stressing out. How is this going to work? Finally get on the plane. I sit down. Everybody's like... The sweet young gal next to me says, Yeah, but you can't do anything about it. <laughs> you know, she's speaking truth to me. Oh, duh, that's true. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about the flight schedules? What am I going to do about the weather? If you miss it, you miss it, right? Uh, uh, so I appreciated that. So applying this, help me to have some wisdom to know the things that I can't change. Gosh. I have many stories of my trip I'm excited to share with you. This gal uh, next to me ended up being a, an international student from China. She was very open. I was asking about where her parents are from, where she lived, you know, you do that type of thing. And she said, she's on her way to visit her, her parents in New York. She hasn't seen them in two years. Uh, they're here giving birth. <laughs> they're, they're citizens of, uh, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out, do they live in New York? No, they live in, I don't know, Guangzhou, wherever. But they're here, they're, they're, doing, they're doing that, uh, you know, birthing tourism, or whatever they call it, that industry. If you give birth in America, right, your children are now citizens. That's a way to immigrate from, from one day old. It's automatic. But I got some interesting perspective from her uh, regarding the pandemic and other things from you know, they're nationals of China and how we handled the pandemic. It's interesting. So kind of wrapping up here. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 10, 20. He goes to read on. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So this is how we battle against all these forces, internal and external. So especially of these internal forces, if you concentrate on the truth, not lies of Satan or the evil one or, or history, if you, uh, the lies are, you know, we're insignificant. The lies of Satan is that we're, you know, money, wealth, pleasure is all there is. That's the path to fulfillment. While I was in Orlando, I watched uh, I had this brilliant idea to take the shuttle to downtown Disney. 
to have a meal, because they have all kinds of stuff there, right? They have shops, they have restaurants. Uh, so I went to downtown Disney, their version of it, and I took in a movie as well, and I saw that movie that, that Rachel saw, uh, The Jesus uh, Revolution. The Jesus Revolution. Wasn't quite sure if it would apply to me. It's about the Jesus movement, Jesus freaks of the 60s and 70s. You know, I was watching, I don't know, I was watching uh, the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family at that time, (laughs) 60s and 70s. But uh, it was fascinating. It was a really good show. And it was basically the uh, countercultural revolutions of the 60s, the hippies who were seeking fulfillment, freedom, enlightenment, and sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? And after they came up empty, that the lies of what this promise, psychedelic drugs and all that stuff, LSD, uh, failed to have anything satisfying and lasting. They started listening to the truths of Scripture. And this is where the Jesus movement found some footing. And that was a birth of uh, Greg Laurie's uh, ministry and his mentor, his name escapes me right now. Is it Chuck Colson? No, some, somebody else. But um, fascinating. But focusing on the truth, this is how we put on the armor of God. Investigating lies and truth and being on the side of righteousness. Fitting your feet with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. So your interpersonal connections, your neighbors, your work relations. The gospel of peace. I'm always thinking of a transactional society versus transformational society. Transactional society is a tit for tat, right? We're offended, you know? There's revenge. There's... Uh, righteousness, there's uh, uh, retaliation, there's justice. But when we come before God, when we realize that we are sinners as well, saved by grace, there's nothing that we could do in, in the presence of a holy God. In comparison to others, we might think we lived a pretty good life, that we deserve to go to heaven, but in the presence of a holy, righteous, moral God, God initiates a relationship to reconcile us in peace. So when I talk to people, people often think as they get older or if they have a pretty serious injury or illness, they talk about making your peace with God, right? <laughs> We make our peace with God. No, it's the other way around. God makes his peace with us. (laughs) God makes his peace with us. And once we know that we are loved, once we know we are forgiven, God wants us to do the same to those around us. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. They talk about faith being like a muscle, right? 
our trials and tribulations, right? We, we, uh, we test our faith. It's our belief in God, that God is true. And we start growing in it in our trials. With all these, we could extinguish the flames of the arrows, of the arrows of the evil one. So just like prayer and fasting, we exercise that muscle. We, we make ourselves vulnerable so we could rely on the word of God. So we could rely on the faith of the community to support us. And take the helmet of salvation. You think about that. Your head is like, I work in hemophilia. I'm a physical therapist that works in the, with the hemophilia population, those with bleeding disorders. And we talk about whether they have mild, moderate, or severe hemophilia. We always talk about there's severe, there's nuisance bleeds, bumps and bruises that look ugly, but they amount to nothing, nosebleeds. But then there's head injuries. Right? You get a concussion. All right, it's like dropping your iPhone. Kaboom, it's your computer. All right? That's when you need to be cautious. That's the important part. Take on the helmet of salvation. So this is the, in this passage, so key, so element. This is the power of salvation. Not only in the life after, but here as well. Victory. And it's symbolized in Jesus in Palm Sunday. The ruler that was going to be uh, the leader, the Messiah of the, our, the nation of Israel, our church, of our souls, only to be defeated, arrested, and crucified. But on the third day, right? Looking forward to next week, Jesus rebuilds the temple, conquers sin and death for all of us. And now, post uh, Jesus coming into the earth, we mark, Jesus is so significant, someone has said, this God, Jesus, has split time. What does that mean? This is how we mark our calendars, right? A.D. and B.C., Jesus split time. That's amazing. And take on the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. God not only came in the flesh, God's word and truth is not only out there in creation, whereas we look at one another, the miracle of life. God's word is recorded in our scriptures. And the coming of the Holy Spirit and the acts of the apostles and the building of the church that we have the sword to not only go on the defense, but offense as well. So that is my message for today. To think about the battle we're in, to think about situational awareness. God came and lived and died for a battle to conquer the forces of evil, sin, and even death itself. So the encouragement is that we would participate in God's victory, not only in after we die, 
But for all the time that we're here on earth, up until that time, we meet God. 